right, all right, all right. Thank you so much for downloading today's episode of Carl Buys Houses, your podcast devoted to help you sell your property here in Tucson quickly, easily, as well as efficiently. My name is Carl Krenzel, your host here today. I just wanted to share with you today a special little podcast, if you will, about some information I thought maybe you might find interesting. I was doing some research today, and I'll mention this because I'm going to leave all the articles that I'm going to mention in the show notes, so you can go ahead and quote them and check them out on your own. I'm going to quote from them pretty extensively, and so I thought I would go ahead and share them with you as well so you could check it out at your discretion. If you're anything like me, you pick up on your podcasts on your commute or maybe on your lunch break or maybe when you're working out, so this is an opportunity for you to have the notes in the show notes for you. So you can go ahead and check them out a little bit later. I'll leave them there for you. But I just wanted to go ahead and share with you today something I thought would be of increasing interest. Because if you're like me, you're interested in the way that the world is starting to change. And by that, I mean how this, you know, this, this, this move, if you will, of a lot of people who are doing telecommuting or working from home, you know, and this is, this is really something that I never really would have imagined as a younger man. I mean, when I was growing up now, I'll admit I'm not old, but then I'm not really young either. I mean, I'm sort of middle-aged. I'm, I'm 50 years old, you know, but I'll be honest. I mean, when I was coming up in the world, I, I expected that I would be working in a factory or, or, or a building, a hospital or something like that. I didn't ever expect that I would be working from home. And it seems like I find myself working from home more and more often, obviously because I'm self-employed as, as an investor and a real estate broker. And there's a lot of people that I know who aren't necessarily real estate brokers who work from home. And it occurred to me, because I was doing some research for today's show about a, a different issue altogether, actually. And I came across the first article that I came across. It said that everybody loves Phoenix said that it was a popular metropolitan area to move to. And this is coming to us from housingwire.com. It said in the fourth quarter of 2019, 26% of home searchers looked to move to another metro area compared to 25% in the same period the year before, according to a new report from Redfin. This ties the all-time high set in the third quarter of 2019. Now, <clears throat> let me just kind of break that down for you if you're driving in your car, just so you can kind of wrap your head about what I just said. The searches that they're seeing in Redfin for the fourth quarter of 2019 are just as high as their all-time high in the third quarter of 2019 for people who are looking from one metropolitan area to another. So, for example, you know, they said, they said, for example, you know, not for example, but they said that Phoenix reclaimed its number one spot during the fourth quarter after falling to number three in the third. The net inflow in the fourth quarter of 2019 was 6,509 searches, that is, compared to the 5,254 in the fourth quarter of 2018. Both top origination and top out-of-state origination for Phoenix was from Los Angeles. So what you're seeing here is that a lot of people are coming to Phoenix from Los Angeles. 
All right, they're, they're looking from the metropolitan area of Los Angeles and they're looking at Phoenix. Now, if you're a realtor here in town, this is not news to you. You know, if you've been around here in Tucson for a while, that's not really news either. I mean, when you think about it, the idea that a California buyer is going to buy your property has always been kind of an idea and, and a thing, if you will, even here in Tucson. Now, it's true. We're not quite as, as big as Phoenix. That's true. And we don't necessarily garner the same relocation traffic that Phoenix does. But when you think about it, all right. People who move to Tucson can come from California. We've had that same sort of experience here for many, many years. But what makes this significantly different is that people are looking from Los Angeles to Phoenix, right? But why? There's a lot of things you can do nowadays. It used to be that people would move you know, because their job relocated them or whatever, and they sold their home in San Diego or LA or whatever, and then they picked up and they moved to Raytheon or whatnot here in Tucson or wherever in Phoenix, let's say. Well, <laughs> wouldn't you know, the, the internet's made things a, a lot different, right? I'm going to read the article a little bit further just to kind of give us some perspective here. And then I'm going to switch articles, but I'll, I'll let you know when I do. It says, known as an iBuyer hub, Phoenix seems to attract home buyers of all kinds. Since 2018, Zillow, Offerpad, Opendoor, and Redfin, to name a few, have been buying and selling homes in Phoenix. Portland, Oregon re-entered the top 10 list of metro areas with the highest net inflow of Redfin users coming in at number 7 after falling out of the list of the first quarter of 2019. But here's the key. This is, this is the part that I wanted to, to read to you because this is what caught my eye and got me going down this whole rabbit hole, if you will, altogether. It says, quote, now this is coming from uh, Portland Redfin agent Megan Warren. So if you're in Portland... Portland, Oregon, then give Megan Warren a shout out, give her a call, use her if you've got a property to sell up there because she came up with this quote and it's an absolutely spot on quote. Her quote was, quote, the ability to work remotely is a huge factor in people relocating, especially within the same time zone said Portland Redfin agent Megan Warren, quote, I just met with a home buyer who's moving here from Oakland in the spring. Working remotely is allowing him to sell his condo in a less desirable part of the Bay Area for over half a million dollars and buy a serious upgrade in space, safety, and neighborhood in the Portland area. Now, it says that those who moved to Portland originated the most from San Francisco. Now, when you start looking at Tucson and Phoenix, okay, when you when you start looking at this trend, that caused me to think to myself, well, you know, what are what are people doing when it comes to working out of the house? You know, and, and how does that really affect the future of real estate? Especially when you start giving a metro area like Tucson. Now, it's true. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tucson is not quite as cosmopolitan, if you will, 
as Phoenix, right? It's not as big. It's not as large. But it is not a tall... Uh, I'm sorry, it's not a tiny little town. It's not like it's, you know, only 20,000 people here or something. So when you think about it, there are more and more people who are starting to work remotely. And there are a lot of companies who are starting to do this. As a matter of fact, you're starting to see companies and, and articles, as a matter of fact, being made about this very issue. Recode put out an article basically saying how remote work is quietly remaking our lives. Working from anywhere, the good, the bad, and the lovely. This was from Ronnie Mola back in October 9th, 2019 said that uh, basically, I'm not really going to quote it too much here, but basically it was talking about, depending on how you measure it, remote employees like these make up anywhere from 5.3%, those who typically work from the home, to nearly two-thirds who work remotely wherever from the U.S. workforce. So when you think about it, 5.3, anywhere from 5.3% to two-thirds of the work uh, workforce work remotely in some capacity. Okay, and that the number of this has been rising ever since the advent of reliable and robust home broadband connection earlier this decade. See, now this is the key. I know, okay, boomer, right? I mean, when you think about it, okay, look, think this through. When I was a kid, you didn't really have the internet. It wasn't like that. And when you did finally get the internet in the 90s, it was slow. It was, you know, and all that other stuff, right? And, and now... Well, you've got 5G starting to come in. And as 5G starts to take place, it's going to get incredibly faster. Here's some of the top pros and cons, according to Recode's little survey. It said uh, the top pros and cons of working remotely. The biggest benefit of working remotely, 40% of the respondents of their survey said a flexible schedule. 30% said it was working from anywhere. 14% said it was time with family. 13% said it was working from home. Now, it's not all joy working from home. There's, there's clearly working remotely. There's clearly struggles with that. So one of the biggest struggles that were noticed, 22% of the respondents said was unplugging from work. That is a huge problem. I will completely attest to that. Working from home myself as a real estate investor, I don't have working hours per se. I'm always, you know, talking to people about real estate or whatever. So I don't really turn off, right? 19% said loneliness. I, I can I can completely understand how people would understand how it would feel that way. If you're if you're the type who likes to go to work, have a coffee and talk and chat and 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 be social with people and and interact with people working from home is not going to work for you because that's very lonely and not too many people to talk to 17 percent said the, the the collaborating the communicating was something that they, they had a problem with so it's 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 difficult collaborating with other people or communicating with other people when you're working remotely now fortunately in my business that's not really the case because pretty much everything I've, I do is via text or email or phone. I mean, phone calls are very rare, <laughs> very rare anymore, it seems. You know, these days, pretty much everybody does things via email or text. 
Distractions from home. 10% said distractions from home was a struggle when working from home, right? Kids, dogs, delivery, I don't know, video games, who knows? <laughs> Next, different time zone than the team, 8%. You know, I have to admit, I have in the past, I've worked with uh, people who worked in different time zones. And you can use that to your benefit if you plan it out correctly. You know, to be quite honest with you, at one time I had a, uh, a virtual assistant that I had used who was in the Philippines. And I really enjoyed using her uh, because what would happen is I would send her the work that I needed done uh, that was for research or whatever. And uh, I would send it to her before I would go to bed, you know, say five, six o'clock in the night. Uh, and then uh, when I would come back to the office in the morning, you know, seven, eight o'clock in the morning, whatever it was the next day, it would be ready. The work would be done. She's in a different time zone and the work would be used to my advantage because as I slept, she would wake up, she would see the email, she would get the work done, send it to me before she went home. I would wake up and wham, it, it, we worked to our advantage in that respect. But I can see if you're here in Arizona and you're trying to work with people in New York City, that could be difficult. You have to schedule your time properly. Staying motivated. 8% of the people said that staying motivated was a problem working from home. You know, I, I've not really found personally, I've not really found that to be a problem. And that worked out pretty well for me because I've been in the military before. I was a Navy corpsman attached to a Marine unit. So I always was self-motivated, getting started in the morning never was really a problem for me. So that's, that's always been pretty good for me. Uh, 7% said that taking a vacation was a biggest struggle working remotely. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, you know, when you think about it, if your biggest flexibility, one of your biggest flexibilities is that you can work from anywhere, well, then clearly you're going to be able to work from anywhere. And that's going to be a dis you're one of your biggest disadvantages as well. Because when you think about it, anybody who has the ability to crack a laptop has the ability to work from home or work remotely in any event. So then how does this affect these people? When you think about it, how does this affect the future of real estate? Now, when you think about it in 2010, now this is just coming from mind property management. Okay. It says that, that in 2010, only 1.8 billion people had access to high speed internet. That's just 10 years ago. 1.8 billion people. The world has almost 7 billion people on it right now which means one, maybe two out of seven people had access to the internet as far as 10 years ago. By 2016, that doubled and increased to, all, well, almost doubled to 3 billion. And then as it's, it's, it's possible that all the world's 8 billion people will have high-speed internet access as early as 2022, within the next two years. Could you imagine? 8 billion people having access to the internet by 2022, by the two, two, you know, two more years from now. That's incredible. It says the proliferation of high-speed internet is boosted by the advantages in technology. Okay, so remember, it's not just the fact that you've got, it's a couple factors here. Remember, it's not just the fact that you've got, the fact people have internet. 
but the fact that it's internet and it's fast internet at that. So it's not only is it is it internet like a, like you know AOL discs back were in the 90s, but now you've got T1 lines in some places that you know would be considered you and I would be considered kind of a I don't know regular thing, but that's high speed high speed low drag to some people, right? It says that Google and Facebook are leading the way by testing solar-powered drones that could deliver high-speed internet to remote areas from the air. Really high-speed internet. I mean, good God, could you imagine? Google's Project Skybender aims to deliver data from using uh, 5G technology, which some say could be 40 times faster than 4G service we're already accustomed to. Now, not to be outdone, Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk has asked the FCC for permission to launch 4,425 satellites into space as part of a plan to blanket the Earth with broadband. Now, you know, how does this affect real estate? How does it really affect it? Because think about it. Okay, heretofore, people had worked in particular areas because of its proximity to their work or proximity to, okay, think back in the 1950s, right? When, when not everybody had a car, let's say, and people would take a bus, people would be close to a bus line or a train line or, or public transportation in some way so they could get to their work. You know, and if, if let's say you give everybody cars, well, then they don't have to use public transportation so much. And then, then you have the suburban sprawl. The natural result of people not having to do as much transportation to get to work results, or, or if you affect their ability to transport to work, that affects the, the, the urban sprawl is. When you think about, <laughs> at least from Tucson's perspective, right? You give people cars, they can drive out to Vail and have a job in Tucson. But they don't want to necessarily live that far. I mean, that's an awful long way. You know, but they can do it if they got two cars. But if they if they don't have to drive, you give them 5G out in Vail, and then you tell them, hey, look, your internet's going to be 40 times faster than what we can give you at the office if you do it at home and you just stay at home and you work from home and do everything you need to do and then uh, you know upload it to the the cloud or whatever oh my gosh how does that affect the value of certain homes something to consider says the widespread ability of high-speed internet is already changing the way we work working remotely is on the rise and it's because it's become easier than ever for companies to hire abroad case in point nearly 30 percent of mine's team works remotely from as far away as eastern europe most of the remaining 70 percent work at least one day a week per home from home says uh, platforms like slack help to streamline project management. Google Hangouts help people have virtual meetings. So, you know, it's it's certainly understandable how people could get into a position where they want to work from home. But then, okay, the question obviously comes up and I and I can hear it in your in your in your in your ears because I'd be saying the same thing. Okay, are they are all these people just going to be working from home or are they just sitting around playing all day? 
So the jury was out on a productivity effect of working from home, but it's returned from a surprising verdict after a two-year Stanford study shows the astonishing productivity boost of working from home. It says there's been much debate. Now, this is from Inc., Inc.com. Again, I'll leave all these uh, links to these articles in the show notes for you. But it says there's been much debate about working from home and whether or not it's been a productivity boost or a major productivity drain. Paranoid managers envision employees lying on their couches at home in Metallica t-shirt concert t-shirts. I can't even say that right. I don't even have one of those. Employees lying on their couches at home in Metallica concert t-shirts eating Doritos off their belly and watching Ellen. Who, Who in the world, first of all, that's a that's a paradoxical mix of stereotypes, I must admit. Who in the world has a Metallica concert t-shirt, okay, on the one hand, eating Doritos on the couch. Who's that guy watching Ellen? Okay, because you know it's not a woman. There's, <laughs> Bless God, I can't think of a single woman out in the world in the world today who has a Metallica concert eating Doritos on the couch off her belly and watching Ellen. Nor could I imagine any man watching Ellen in a Metallica t-shirt that I know if you wanted to say the man, <laughs> the man wasn't a, a different kind of t-shirt. Okay. I might buy that, but not an Ellen t-shirt. You could say he was in an eyes or whatever. <laughs> I might get that, but a, a Metallica t-shirt eating Doritos off their belly watching Ellen. Okay. Whatever. <clears throat> Let's move on. It says, uh, but Stanford professor Nicholas uh, Bloom, <clears throat> excuse me, got to get some respectability about me, pardon me, but the Stanford professor Nicholas Bloom has definitive data that paints a very different picture and indicates it's time once and for all to embrace and enable the benefits of working from home. Well, you know, I, I, I can understand, honestly, you know, because I'm a little bit of a skeptic too. For many, many years myself, I, I was hesitant to work from home. For all those years, I mean, for 20, over 20 years, I worked out of real estate brokerages, offices, things of that nature, because it was just a lot easier for me. I, I felt I came up traditionally uh, feeling that, you know, you, you can't get anything done working from home. But what I have since discovered is that everybody leaves the home and I'm the only one here. And so it's a perfect environment for me because I like to work by myself right? It says, uh, what, let's see what Nicholas Bloom found out here. It says that Bloom found a willing lab rat for a groundbreaking experiment in his graduate economics class at Stanford. James Lang, co-founder and CEO of Ctrip, China's largest travel agency with 16,000 employees. Wow, that's a lot of employees. Oh my goodness. Said the CEO was interested in giving employees the work from home option because the office space in the company Shanghai HQ is supremely expensive and because employees had to endure long commutes to work, not being able to afford city living. The result was horrendous attrition. You see, this is, this is, a, this is a good solution. Okay, now in yesterday's podcast and the day before or something like that, you heard me talk about how you have an affordable housing crisis here in America. And there's a lot of different solutions being bandied about, about how we're supposed to solve housing 
the housing crisis and housing affordability. One of the solutions that is provided by some people is for community land trusts to buy properties or have first rights of refusal or to legislate laws and, and pass statutes to say that individual property owners should acquiesce to the demands of the city to give people, tenants or others, the first right of refusal on a property. Which not only is, in my opinion, unconstitutional, it's un-American. Un I mean, people have the right to their property. And what they choose to do with it is their decision. But yet we have a socialist sort of decision-making tree in our government these days. I don't know how these people... When I was growing up, being a socialist was, was, was a dirty word. But apparently it's fashionable these days. But rea the reality is that you have a couple different approaches to solve this problem. And the socialist approach is to mandate what homeowners individually are going to do with their properties. Okay, another socialist approach is to impose tax, which is what they do in Illinois. And in other, in other places, they have a property tax. We're part of your property tax. When you, when you do a transfer of real property, you'll have a real property tax. And the real property tax, part of that property tax is used to help fund the homeless and affordable housing and things of that nature. Again, taxation is theft. By any means, by any way, taxation is theft for any purpose. If it's that important, then you need to have the individual community provide the help. Okay, and they will, and they do all the time. We see this hundreds and countless of times. Anytime there is an emergency in you know the, an area where there's a flood or unexpected rain or whatever, you have people that come to the rescue, right? But the other approach to solve this, okay, is when you have individual people stepping up to the plate with problem-solving ability. So now here you have this problem. You have James Lang. He's the CEO of this company. It's got 16,000 employees and he's got a big problem. He wants to go ahead and keep the best people to work for his company, but he can't attract and, and keep the best people. He can't attract and retain the best people because the, 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 in the, the commute to get to where they work is is very very long and and it and and the places to live around where he works are very expensive so it, it, people just they'd like to work for you but gosh they can't because it's just it's crazy to get there and maybe you've been in that situation and look you don't have to go to china to find a hard housing situation where the good job you want to be in and now this guy's got a problem so you could either tax your way into this and pass legislation and make people do things the way you want them to, or you could be what this guy did and, and come up with a solution, be solution-oriented, which is what I recommend. So what does he do? He says, let's, 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 let's be a guinea pig. Let's try this out. He says, so Lang wanted to make the work-from-home move, but needed proof that it wouldn't tank productivity. This is a smart man. Okay, you don't want to kill your, your company just to make sure this works. So then here, here comes this guy, Bloom. Helps design a test where 500 employees are divided into two groups. 
You got a control group who continues working at the headquarters and you got a volunteer work from home group that have a private room at home, a six month tenure with the, with the company and decent broadband access. That's kind of the conditions there, right? And so what happened then, obviously there were positive and negatives and whatnot, but in within two, what, he, what they found in a two-year study, they found an, and it's just what the only words to describe it, it was an astounding productivity boost amongst the telecommuters that was equivalent to a full day's work. See, it turned out, okay, the people who worked from home that the people who work from home really actually do work a true full shift or, or maybe even a little bit more as opposed to being late to the office or leaving every couple you know minutes or a couple times a week for this or that or the other. They found it less distracting and easier to concentrate at home. Amen. You see, that's, that's exactly why I mean, I'm even able to do this podcast. I mean, when you think about it, when I was working at an office, it would take me an hour to get there, an hour to get back. That's two hours. I can spend a half hour, hour, whatever it is on the show, and then produce it and send it out. And all of a sudden, I can communicate with you, which to me is of infinite more value. I would much rather talk to you than, than, than sit in a car and listen to, I don't know, music. Listen, it says, additionally and incredibly, check this out, incredibly, employee attrition decreased by 50% among the telecommuters. They took shorter breaks, they had fewer sick days, and took less time off. I mean, now, when you think about it, okay, if you get somebody who's not quitting because they're happier, they don't take as many breaks or, or, or shorter breaks when they do, and, and maybe they're, you know, bless God, maybe they're in China having a smoke break. I don't know. But for whatever reason, here they are taking less time off. They're not getting sick. They're not quitting. They're happier. Okay. This is a good solution for everybody. It says, by the way, the company saved almost $2,000 per employee on rent by reducing the amount of headquarter offer office space. I want you to really, really hear me out on this. Now, look, I come from a real estate background, okay? And I'm going to be honest with you, and, may, and, and maybe, this happened in, maybe this happened where you work. But where I worked in a real estate office, okay, people paid many times to rent office space or if, if in a different type of company, then they would just be there because they were assigned a certain place, right? And even though the market is going very well, even though the real estate schools are full to capacity, even though there are tons of real estate agents out there, you can't swing a dead cat in this town without hitting one. The real estate is empty inside the, inside the real estate offices themselves, because many of the agents themselves are working from home. A lot of agents work from home. A lot of people work from home. So what did this, what did this scientist come up with? Okay, well, he said, well, look, the total sum of this research led him to recommend going for it with work from home, but enabling it just a few days versus being a constant. And here's why. Switching from a corporate office-driven environment to a work-from-home life 
you know, is, is, is something that you have to kind of split into. And it says that not every job is necessarily perfect from working from home, which, which I agree. But when you think about it, that gives us a whole lot of different opinions about how the housing market's going to be. Because according to ProTech Services, says that many of the newly created American jobs are what the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics calls professional and business services. And we are becoming more of a knowledge-based economy. And because of this, all right, people have different generational values on what's important. Just because somebody is a millennial doesn't necessarily mean that they are the only people who are into being a telecommuting, you know, telecommuting, uh, telecommuting. You know, while young professionals born after 1980, you know, are, are enthusiastic. That's true. But many times it's, it's not necessarily because of their enthusiasm. It's because of the money. You know, according to a 2016 study by Fidelity Investment, the average millennial employee will take a job that pays $7,600 less than another as long as it improves the quality of their professional lives. It's because people have different values now. When I was growing up, you went for every single dollar. Nowadays, kids are willing to put things aside. And because of that, that's going to cause some kind of potential crises in some places. You know, when you figure if you've got a property here in Tucson, a lot of these kids buying properties these days, they don't necessarily have to be so close to the University of Arizona. They'd like to be, but you know what? They're not willing to pay that price. They can telecommunicate, uh, telecommute where, with where they are. They got 5G service coming up here real soon. And if that's the case, how's that going to affect the housing values? Something to consider. I'd love to hear your opinion. Give me a, give me your call, 520-403-6227. Let me know what you think or tell me about your unwanted property or Leave your comments in the links below. If you've got an unwanted property, click the show, show notes there as well, and I'll leave a link there. You can tell me about your unwanted property as well. Thanks for paying attention and liking and rating as always. I hope you have a powerful sales day. Bye-bye.